Hello and welcome into another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Sig Daddy, and it's my Backlash 2020 pay-per-view review home to the greatest match, greatest wrestling match ever. Or so they called it. But before I get into the review portion of the show, I'd just like to let you know that coming up this Friday will be my TNA Slammiversary 2010 Retro Pay-Per-View Review. That show was main evented by RVD. He was defending the TNA World Heavyweight Championship against Sting. Also on the card included Jeff Hardy and Mr. Anderson versus Beer Money. That's James Storm and Bobby Roode. Also on the card... Kazarian versus Kurt Angle. Look forward to giving that to you this Friday. And you'll be able to find that on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, Google Podcasts, and other podcasting platforms. But let's get down to business. Backlash 2020 took place at the Performance Center. I am recording this on Monday, so this took place the night before. So last night... And the pre-show match, the match that started it really, was the Apollo Crews versus Andrade match. Apollo Crews defending his United States Championship, a newly won United States Championship against Andrade. And I thought this was a really good pre-show match. I really enjoyed this one. I thought Apollo Crews looked good, Andrade looked good, and KO was on commentary to start the match. KO was always fantastic. Well, before the match even started, KO came out to join commentary, and he does always does a fantastic job on commentary. The finish, they trade counters. Andrade heads up top. Apollo Crews hits an insiguri. He gets the military press. Standing moonsault followed by a standing shooting star press. But Garza, who's ringside with Zelina, gets up on the apron to distract the official. Owens then grabs Garza off the apron Hits the stunner, and then meanwhile in the ring, Andrade goes for a hammerlock DDT. Cruz counters it into his spin-out powerbomb pin combo, and that's it. Like I said, pretty good match on the kickoff show. I think this honestly should have been on the pay-per-view. I'm a little worried about Apollo Cruz moving forward because he got this kind of push from Paul Heyman while he was the executive director of Raw, but that is no longer... A fact, because Bruce Pritchard's taken over since they streamlined Creative. So Pritchard will be the executive director on both Raw and SmackDown now. And what Pritchard did on SmackDown was use more of the established talent, while Paul Heyman on Raw used tried to build up younger guys, tried to build up, try to create new stars, but that was not. Vince's vision and that's why he kind of got axed from that position to focus more on his on-screen role as Brock Lesnar's mouthpiece which I don't know why he needs to really super focus on that anyway because he only does it every once in a while so it'll be interesting to see where Cruz goes in the coming weeks hopefully they don't just stop his push completely but nice Pre-show match from Apollo Crews and Andrade. Apollo Crews retaining his United States Championship. A B grade. I'm giving that a B grade. Solid match. Then we hit the pay-per-view properly started with a triple threat tag team match for the women's tag titles. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross taking on the Iconics. 
who are taking on who take on Bailey and Sasha Banks. Bailey and Sasha Banks just won those a couple weeks ago from uh, Blitzcross Applesauce. And I wasn't a huge fan of this match. I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was great. Other people thought it was really good. Thought it was good. I just didn't see it. There was a bunch of pin trading early on, which I understood a little bit. They did that a couple of times. And then they had two standoffs, which I wasn't really buying all that much. The work was fine here. The work was fine. Uh, the Iconics at one time tried to hit their kind of like, I think it was called, it's called the sick knee from Sydney, but Bailey and Sasha ended up hitting it at one time. And I don't know. I thought the action was pretty solid in this one. Royce attempted to fly through the ropes at one time and hit a suicida kind of on everybody, but it just looked kind of weird. But uh, I don't know. The finish was I, the Iconics hit their big move on Bliss. Cro- Bliss, Cro- Bliss and Cross hit their big move on Royce. And then Bliss hits Twisted Bliss on Royce. And then B- Banks comes in and gets the roll-up pin, just kind of picking up the scraps and stealing the win. I'm going to give it a C plus. I thought it was fine. But I just want this Bailey sasha feud to happen. I, it's, I don't care if there's no crowd. This is, it's gotten to the point where it's like, where when are we going to do this? When are we going to pull the trigger on this? I know they just won the tag titles, but it's like, when are we going to get the proper Bailey and Sasha feud we've been asking for the, for the past, what, three years or so? WWE is not is not willing to pull the trigger on it until fans show up. And I don't know. Maybe that brings fans back to watching the show. Who knows? Because the ratings for the most part, have been down. So maybe you pull the trigger on that feud. Maybe the ratings go up, but who knows? They're just It's just a guessing game at this point until fans come back. But C-plus grade for that match. Just want Bailey and Sasha to feud finally. I know they're doing a slow burn. They're waiting for fans to come back. I'm just kind of over it at this point. It's just Let's just have them feud and get this over with. Because I know they're capable of having really good matches, but man, let's just do it already. <laughs> C plus. Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus was next, and I thought this was, I thought this was pretty good. It went felt a little bit long. This match felt a bit long, and I just thought it was an odd booking choice having Sheamus win. But they might be telling a bigger story. I get it. It's just. I don't know. This storyline really has turned me off. But I like that Jeff, that the the finish was Jeff's recklessness causing him to lose, which is in kind of connection to his past uh, substance abuse problems. So like taking risks, taking substances or over or drinking too much alcohol is going to cost you. I get it. That played into the finish because Jeff hit a swanton bomb in the ring. Sheamus got his foot to the rope at two and three quarters. And then Jeff ran off the railing, took a big risk, and ate the brogue kick outside of the ring. Sheamus hit another one inside, and that's it. I'm going to give this match a B-. I felt it went a little bit too long. It went around, I think went over 16 minutes. And I just thought it was weird how the accuser won here. But maybe it plays down, plays somewhere down the line. I was, I, I along with some other people thought maybe 
The red-haired, red-beard guy was Shane, not Seamus, but uh, Sami Zayn. Might have been that's might have been who framed Jeff Hardy. That could be the bigger story. But really, where does Jeff's redemption story go from here? Where does it go? Because you just portrayed him as a big loser. Is it gonna be? Is it gonna be the story of oh, there's bumps in the road, and then he finally become finally uh, emerges triumphant out of it, or they're gonna have him plagued as a loser? Because that because that's more that's more where WWE goes usually is they plague him as a loser, and kind of. I don't like they're exploiting this in the first place. The peace thing on Friday was absolutely atrocious. It was terrible. And I just don't like they're addressing the substance abuse stuff again on TV when they've addressed it already two or three times. So, I don't know. I still thought the match was fine. The best thing on the show so far. The best thing on the main pay-per-view so far out of the first two matches. B-minus grade. Whatever. After that, we get a Miz and Morrison interview saying they're going to be co-champions, but Caleb Braxton says that can't happen. Otis shows up with Mandy, and no matter who wins tonight, Otis could be cashing in on one of them. Then we get Asuka versus Nia Jax for the Raw Women's Championship, and I was so happy. I was fine with this match. I was having a fun time with this match until the end. Until the end of the match. We get Asuka going for an armbar over the ropes. There's a little bit of a slip-up. Nia flies out of the ring, flying over the top, and then Asuka gets the armbar on the outside for a moment, and then Nia throws her against the barricade, and they both end up not they both end up not making it to the ring before the official's 10 count, and it ends in a double count out. Asuka does retain, but this ends in a double count out. I terrible finish I thought this was fine it was I thought this was in the B range this was this match was in the B range for me until the finish which just totally sank it I don't need to see Nia Jax versus Asuka again I thought they were going to Charlotte but I guess they're saving that saving that for SummerSlam I get it but I don't want I don't need to see Asuka versus Nia Jax again at Extreme Rules but they're going to probably do it. Which brings me to this. This is worrisome. Like I mentioned earlier with the Paul Heyman departure. Are the NXT people going to get an opportunity? Shayna Baszler was brought up. Is she going to be in contention anytime soon? I saw, I think it was Peyton Wesner who, has been, who I've been interacting with on Twitter uh, I interacted with him on Twitter during the pay-per-view last night, but that was in the uh, greatest uh, the greatest wrestling match in the world, and then uh, another, I think another time, or, uh, one time or another during the show. But he mentioned that Shayna Baszler hadn't been featured on Raw since May 18th. That's a month ago. And Bianca Belair, she's one of the ones that have that got brought up. But we have, she, after like a couple of weeks, she has just absolutely disappeared from our televisions. So has Ruby Riot. So has Liv Morgan. They have all just disappeared from Raw. What are we doing to help them out? We keep having the same people in title contention, the established stars in title contention, Let's get some new blood out there 
because that's why rating that's why your ratings aren't doing so well is because you have the same people in the same title matches the same people in title matches Charlotte Flair Nia Jax Asuka Bailey well Bailey's the champ but Sasha Banks everybody's the same it's nothing different nobody nobody new is coming into title contention on Raw especially and SmackDown it's still the same issue they lack people they lack believable contenders because they have yet to spend the TV time trying to build those up they're so focused on the championships that they don't try to build these side stories up enough and this is not helping these younger not younger but less established talent get over and and not giving giving the same people opportunities over and over again is not going to help ratings long term I'm just going to say that flat out. But before I get off on too much of a tangent, I'm going to give this match a C. I'm going to give the Asuka Nia Jax match a C. Everything was fine until the crap finish. Don't need to see this again. We're going to get this at Extreme Rules, like I said already. And we'll see probably Charlotte at SummerSlam. C grade disappointing match this show has not been good so far and then it's lana and mvp have an interaction backstage and it's about mvp well lana not being able to go to ringside for bobby's match but mvp says that she needs to have that conversation with her husband and mvp said he didn't tell bobby to not have you at ringside yada 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 then we get the Braun Strowman versus Miz and Morrison match for the Universal Championship. And this was pretty much a nothing match. In my opinion, Miz and Morrison largely dominated it until the end. And Braun hits a couple of big moves, running power slam, and it's over. Winner was never in question in this match. I'm going to give this a C+. This still doesn't make me care about Braun Strowman. He's not booked strong as champion at all. Being just Miz and Morrison. Those guys are mid-carters. Those guys are not main event talent. You need to have Braun beating main event talent. But oh, wait. You haven't brought you haven't brought up enough guys to that level on SmackDown to be in world title contention. Which goes back to the same issue I've been reverting back to over and over and over again. Who's going to be in contention for the title now? Because I heard somebody say Sheamus, and I was like, okay, I guess. That's the only villain, really. The only big villain you have on the show other than AJ Styles right now. But AJ Styles is busy with the Intercontinental Championship, and who knows. But this show, at this point, had been pretty subpar. And it was as expected, because I had... On a, on a 1 to 10 level of excitement, I had a 2. Oh, yeah. like my How excited I was for this show was a 2 out of 10. I had no real excitement for it, but it would get better here in a few moments. Then we get Styles backstage with Caleb Braxton. Styles has a special invitation for Friday night, and he's going to have a big championship presentation and he's going to invite everybody, including Daniel Bryan. 
Then we get the Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre match for the WWE Championship. Nice some nice psychology during this. Bobby working the neck of McIntyre. I liked at the start of the match where Lashley got the full Nelson on Drew. I liked a lot of the submission stuff from Bobby during this match, showing off some MMA, faux MMA type stuff. The submission count there were submission counters late in the match, and like Lashley had a what full Nelson at one time. Well, yeah, not full Nelson, but a cross face. He had a cross face in. Drew powered out into a tombstone position, then Bobby kind of, well, Bobby kind of fell, but he rolled through into an ankle lock. Drew also countered a spear into a Kimura, which was pretty dang cool. Then Lashley and McIntyre up top. This is the closing moments of the match. Drew hits a superplex. He does the Claymore countdown. Hits, gets, gets a spear and eats a spear, actually, from Bobby Lashley, and Lashley gets a near fall off of that. But then Lana shows up on the ring apron. Lashley gets headbutted into Lana. Well, Glasgow kissed into Lana, who falls on falls off the apron and onto MVP. Then Drew hits the Claymore, and it's over. I thought these two had a pretty dang good match. I thought this was a pretty good hoss battle between these two. I really liked the submission counters during this match. And I didn't mind the finish because this continues the marital issues with Lashley and Lana. I wish they would have ended earlier, but they still haven't finished this story. At least just conclude it. Let's just get some kind of conclusion and uh, ending to this Lashley-Lana pairing and get back to Lana, not Lana, but Lashley being backed up by MVP and that's it. I'm going to give this match a B plus, best thing on the show up until uh, this point. And then we have Tom, Samoa Joe, and Byron Saxon at the announce desk. And they're about ready to hype up the scheduled Street Profits versus Viking Raiders match for the Raw Tag Team Championships. But then they cut to backstage, actually not backstage, but they cut to the parking lot where the Viking Raiders and Street Profits are fighting. And I'm not even going to comment on this. This was, it's turned into some cinematic type match, which I don't even think it really ended up being a match. It just ended up being a fight. There's ninjas involved. There's Akira Tozawa involved. I just didn't care for this. I'm like, what are these competitions, what have these competitions done? I thought this was leading to a match. I don't think we're ever going to get a match, but maybe we do. Who knows? But it's just gotten to the point where it's like, why don't we just have these guys wrestle? And in all honesty, at this point, the Raw Tag Team Championships are as valuable as the 24-7 Championship because we don't see them on TV. We don't see them ever defended. We just see these segments every week, these competitions, which have led to nothing. It's just led to some more nonsense of this cinematic stuff i get they're trying to do this entertainment type stuff but if you're not going to give me a give us a match i don't really care i like the sit i've liked the cinematic matches for the most part but this i did not care about every this was nxt level in my opinion the nxt level cinematic nxt cinematic matches have not been good so far 
And this was that level. I, I, some people really liked it. I, I saw that a lot of people really liked it. I am in the minority. I absolutely disliked it. This devalues the Raw Tag Team Championships. They are all they were already meaningless practically because WWE doesn't invest in their tag team division unlike this other company uh, that I'll name. It's AEW, of course, who has the best tag team division in the industry right now. And I am not I am not trying to be biased. I am just stating facts there. AEW has the best tag team champ bag best tag team division in all of wrestling right now. I will put that I will bring that to the bank. I will take that to the bank. And AEW's got the best tag team roster by a mile. Raw WWE has not taken the time to invest in their tag teams and you know that's been an issue for the longest of times. And they haven't really invested in new tag teams. They have these... I get it. Oh, they have the Street Profits and Viking Raiders on TV. But yeah, are they actually having a match? No, they're just having these competitions. I get it. You gotta add some entertainment. But not at the expense of the tag team championships. That's just my take on it. I didn't really like it. But what we got next, the main event... Man, that blew my expectations out of the dang water. Edge versus Randy Orton in what was billed as the greatest wrestling match ever. I hated that marketing from the start, but you know what? I gotta say, these two delivered a pretty damn good wrestling match. A pretty damn good wrestling match. Uh, the intros, I loved them where they had Howard Finkel, a recorded version of Howard Finkel with the old MSG mic uh, doing the Edge and Orton introductions. It made it feel big, which was nice. They did add artificial crowd noise. That took me out of the match for the first 10 or 15 minutes or so. But once I stopped really paying attention to that, I really enjoyed this match. The match down the stretch, the last 15 minutes or 10, 15 minutes or so, it was pretty freaking awesome. They're hitting rock bottoms, pedigrees, all that stuff. And man, it was just a lot of fun. It might have got a little excessive at the end with the finishers because Orton hit two RKOs and Edge kicked out of both of them. And this match, it went a long time. I would have shaved a couple of minutes off. And these are just very, very, very minor complaints because these two put on a really good wrestling match. A really good wrestling match. I liked the technical stuff they did at the beginning. But man, the finishers, the rock bottoms, the pedigrees, the angle slam. They also did an Eddie Guerrero tribute with the three amigos. It was all you could have wanted and more in this match. I really enjoyed it. They went 45 minutes and Edge hit two spears on Orton. Orton still kicked out at two. And the finish goes a little like this. Orton... Counters an Irish whip into the corner. Edge hops off the second rope, gets hit with a second RKO. He kicks out at two. And then Orton tells Edge, not tells Edge, but Orton gets Edge up. And then Edge gets the the choke again, that head arm choke. But Orton sneaks in a low blow, which the referee said before the match, no low blows. But he snuck one in on Edge. And then he followed that up with a punt. And that was it, folks. Post-match, Orton tells Edge to go home, 
And actually, Edge did suffer a torn triceps during this match, and he had successful surgery today. So wish the best for Edge in his recovery. But this all sets up a third match. A third match between Edge and Orton. The, the sequel was a lot better than the original, I gotta say. The last man standing match at Mania was not too good for me. I, it was very, very boring. This was a lot better. Loved it. Loved it. Entertainment galore. Heck of a wrestling match. They surprised me here. They really surprised me. WWE put put together put this together pretty well. And it wasn't the best wrestling match, but it was a damn good one. And I liked the finish because Orton had to go to the depths. He had to get a cheap shot in in order to beat Edge. I liked that because that gives an, another the story another arc. It gives another opportunity for later on down the line, probably next year, probably maybe at the Rumble or WrestleMania next year. Who knows how long it'll take for Edge to recover from the torn triceps. But man, this match did deliver. I'm going to give it an A-. Only little things I saw in this were the finishers got a little excessive near the end, but man, they delivered a good wrestling match. Not the mat, not match of the year, but maybe match of the year in WWE. We'll see, because that 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 uh, two nights before Styles and Daniel Bryan put on a banger on SmackDown. So that those two are probably up for WWE match of the year. I'm not gonna say it's match of the year, but. Uh, AEW with their tag team match uh, between Paige, with Paige, Kenny Omega, the, and the Bucks. That was quite possibly the best match of the year. But this, this, this is up there with it. It's up there with it. It's in the, it's, it's in that range. It's, it's there. Very good wrestling match from Randy Orton and Edge. A minus grade and. Man, these guys were pulling out stuff that I hadn't seen before. Edge pulled out a powerbomb off a... Orton tried to dropkick him, and Edge caught him and powerbombed him. Just different stuff I saw during this match. They pulled out all the stops, and kudos to them. They had... They had... Uh, they were in a tough, tough spot, especially with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles putting on the match they did Friday night. But man, these guys did deliver. The second half of this uh, show s- saved it. From being absolutely terrible. I don't know about absolutely terrible, but it was not a good show up until those last two matches. McIntyre, McIntyre and Lashley and Edge and Orton saved this show from being Backlash 2018. And you all know how that ended. Samoa Joe and Roman Reigns and people were walking out during the main event. As I previously said, two-match show... Orton and Edge, man, I'd go back and watch that if I were you. Great match from those two. Both, they're in their 40s. Edge, like, over the age of 45. And Orton, age 40, put on a hell of a match. And it might be WWE's match of the year so far. I'm going to give this show a B-minus grade. Other than the Edge and Orton match and the McIntyre-Lashley match, the show was kind of meh. But still, those two matches saved it, and I'm going to give it 
give Backlash 2020 a B-. I hope you enjoyed that review of Backlash 2020. Like I said earlier, coming up later this week on Friday, I will have my review for Slammiversary, TNA Slammiversary 2010 up. And then the following Friday, I will have my review for Vengeance 2005 up for you. Look forward to giving both of those reviews to you here soon. In the meantime, follow me on Facebook and Twitter at SigDaddyWrestle and on Instagram at SigDaddy.Wrestle. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, Google Podcasts, or on other podcasting platforms. Until next time, this is SigDaddy signing off. Thanks for listening, and so long, everybody.